Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. I want us to just kind of stay in this moment. Just now, Scott led us through this time of communion, and he painted that picture of Jesus being in that upper room with his disciples. The same night that he was going to be betrayed, he was sharing one final meal before he would go to die. The disciples didn't grasp the gravity of the situation, but Jesus knew. And so they're in this room together. Jesus knows what's about to happen to him. He knows what's going to happen eventually to his disciples. He says this word, this phrase, peace I give to you, my peace I give to you. He says, you're going to have trouble in this world, in this life, but take heart because I've overcome the world. You and I know in some way or another, however big or or small, however dramatic or insignificant, you and I know what it's like to have trouble in this world. And so I just want to have a moment just picturing that, that scene with the disciples and with Jesus with his friends that he's been with and poured into. He speaks that word over them of peace. I'd like just to take a moment just to speak that word over you. Just think about the trouble that you've gone through, the heartache, the brokenness. I just want to speak that over you. As Scott said, the Holy Spirit is here. So through the Holy Spirit, I say to you, peace. Just breathe. Just breathe for a moment. Just take a moment to let the Spirit just surround you. It's not, it's not silly. It's not frou-frou. It's, this is the promise that Jesus gives to us through the Holy Spirit, a promise of peace. It's been a crazy year for you. It's probably, maybe it's been a crazy life. Maybe it's been a crazy season. I just, again, I speak that word to you through the spirit, the words of Jesus in this moment. Peace. Just let that word fill you up in everything that it means through the power of Christ and the resurrection, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let it fill you with peace. Just rest in that for just a moment.
So we're in this series called Final Words. Jesus is with his disciples. He knows what's about to happen. And he shares with them the final words, the final teachings before he goes to the cross, before he goes to his, his fate, his death. When you know someone's giving their, their final words, whether they're on their deathbed or, or maybe you know it's the last time you're going to see them, sometimes we don't know when that is. But if we do, what do you do? You lean in and you listen. Disciples didn't quite grasp what was about to happen, but Jesus knew. And so he knew that what he was about to show the disciples and teach them over this meal that they were having together, he was saying, guys, this is, these are my final words to you. These are my final teachings. And for us, as we look back and reread this section of John, it's not just Jesus' final words to his disciples. It's Jesus' final words to us to his church. It's these words that lay the foundation for his disciples and for the apostles on which they build the church, on which they teach, on which they would live, and on which they would ultimately die. It's on these words that we as a church, that we live, and if necessary, we also will die. So, we're in this moment. They're having the, this final meal together, these final conversations. Now, have you ever wondered, like, of a maybe it's a celebrity or maybe a famous athlete? Have you ever wondered, man, where is that person now? Like, as I was getting ready for this message, I was thinking, okay, like, Macaulay Culkin, you know, Home Alone, Pink Lips, Macaulay Culkin, like, great child actor. Where is he now? I know he's uh, somewhere doing something, but I'm like, what, what is he doing? What, does he have a job? Is he, you know, like the cat, some of the cast from The Office, but not, you know, like, not the main characters, but some of those, you know, just some of the, off, the other Office members from that TV show. The, you know, you watch The Office? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Like, where are they now? Have you ever thought about that with the, uh, the disciples, the apostles? Because we read a lot about them in the, in the book of Acts. And actually, in a couple weeks after Easter, we're going to start a series in the book of Acts. It's going to be really, really good. We're going to go through the whole book. You ever had that, that just wondered that, like, what, where, what happened to the disciples? We know what happened to a couple of them. So I kind of just want to share with you what happened, or at least what we, what we think happened through tradition and through uh, historians what happened to the disciples? So uh, Peter, that's one of the well-known disciples, the apostles. Peter, he preached the first Christian sermon in Jerusalem after Jesus ascended into heaven. Through that sermon, he won 3,000 people to Christ. He and the apostle John taught day and day about Jesus in Jerusalem, which ultimately led to their imprisonment. But when he was released, it was said that Peter traveled into Asia Minor, and even to Rome, preaching the gospel until he died, and he uh, wrote two of the New Testament books that we have today. The Apostle John. John wrote five New Testament books. He moved into Ephesus later in his life. Finally, he was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he wrote Revelation and eventually died. Thomas, a doubter. Remember that? Doubting Thomas. All right. He was one of the most passionate preachers of Christ. He, it was said that he moved to India, possibly being sold as a slave. He was a carpenter and was given money to build a palace for a guy, a king named Gundafor. 
He was an Indian king. He was probably Thomas's owner. And so as directed by Jesus, Thomas spent his money on the poor in India, but he was thrown in prison and miraculously escaped, causing Gundafor, his owner, to believe in Christ. Then he went into rural areas of India preaching the gospel, and he was condemned to death after converting the wife and son of another Indian king named Mizdai. So Doubting Thomas had that legacy that, that followed after him. Andrew was Peter's brother. Andrew moved to Greece and perhaps even the Ukraine to preach the gospel in those areas. James the Greater, uh, James the brother of John, James and John, uh, today he's honored greatly in Spain where he is said to have been the first to bring the gospel. He was the first of the apostles to die for their faith. James the Lesser, uh, uh, he became the bishop of the church in Jerusalem itself. He, along with Peter and John, commissioned Paul, okay? And he commissioned Paul into apostleship and, and sent him off to preach to the Gentiles, all right? Jude, he is said to have preached in Persia and converted the entire city of Edessa after healing its king. That's pretty cool, right? He wrote the book of, wait for it, Jude. There you go. Simon the Zealot. His ministry is connected to several places, Britain, Egypt, elsewhere in Africa and Persia. Uh, he was likely martyred in Persia. Philip, we read about him a little bit in the book of Acts. He moved to Caesarea, which is uh, northern Israel, with his four prophetess daughters, then later to Anatolia, where he was killed. Four prophetess daughters. I have two daughters right now. I wonder how that's going to work out. I don't know. All right. Philip. Philip moved to, uh, no, I just read Philip. Bartholomew, here we go. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, he went to Armenia where he converted the king's brother to Christianity. The king didn't like that. So the king had him flayed alive and crucified. Matthew, we know him as the tax collector, wrote the first gospel. Said to have preached the gospel for 15 years in Jerusalem before moving around the Caspian Sea and to Persia. I'm almost there, guys. Matthias. He is said to have preached the gospel in the land of the cannibals, likely Ethiopia. And then finally, the last commissioned apostle, Saul, who we know as Paul, who had a 35-year missionary ministry. Numerous sufferings and persecutions as we read in Scripture. Now, why, why, why do I share all that? about the disciples, the apostles, who were in this room hearing from Jesus. I share that because Jesus called them to do incredible things for the mission of the gospel. And what did they do? They did incredible things all throughout the, the known world for the sake and the mission of the gospel. But here's the thing. They did incredible things, but they also suffered incredible things for the sake of the mission of the gospel. So today, as we talk about this concept of peace, they're in this room and Jesus knows they're going to have trouble, but Jesus gives to them and to us, Jesus gives us what we need to endure, to endure trouble and endure pain, but also to 
produce fruit, to do incredible things for the sake of the mission of the gospel. He gives us peace. It is this peace that enabled the apostles to do what they did, to suffer, but still to produce fruit, to still do incredible things for the sake of the gospel. Jesus gives us what we need to endure pain and produce fruit. Now, the question I have for you is, do you think the apostles, as they're kind of gathering around Jesus and really excited about the mission of Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's come to save the world, save the Jewish people, do you think that they pictured a happily ever after ending? I don't know. And I think in the moment, especially in that room where Jesus is sharing that last meal with them, I don't think they quite grasped what Jesus was about to do and what was going to happen to them. But see, here's the thing. Jesus never promised for us to live happily ever after. Here, in this world, Jesus never makes that promise. In the passage we're going to read, we'll actually see a couple of promises that Jesus does make. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull those out. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to skip around a little bit. So uh, have your thumbs ready to kind of flip the pages with me. Uh, The the words are going to be on the screen. But through this this passage of Scripture, through this teaching of, of peace, we're going to see a couple of promises that Jesus does make. First one is this, is that you will have trouble. In this world, you have trouble. This is what he says in John chapter 15, starting in verse uh, 18. If the world hates you, which it will, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of their own if you belonged to it. Catch that phrase, if you belong to it. But that's the thing. We don't. We don't belong to this world. Yes, God created this world, but then sin entered the world and with it brokenness and with it hatred towards the truth and the light, as John writes about. And as bearers of the truth and as bearers of the light, as Christians, naturally the world will hate us. Now, obviously there are good people in this world, but the nature of the world in its brokenness, in its fallen, sinful nature, there will be hatred towards the light of Christ. So again, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, They would listen to you. We're going to have trouble. Now, in this context, Jesus is talking specifically about persecution because the disciples, the apostles, they were going to be persecuted. They were going to suffer for the name of Jesus. And for you and I, we may not die as a martyr the same way that the apostles did. 
We may not suffer the same amount of persecution that the apostles did or even that other believers do around the world. We are so blessed to live in the country where we live where we can worship freely. I don't know how long that'll last. We may suffer for the name of Christ and be persecuted for our faith, but you and I also, we have trouble through temptations. We have trouble through the brokenness of life, when our health fails, when a loved one passes away, when a child gets sick. We have trouble uh, through our finances, wondering where the next paycheck is going to come from, where we're going to get our groceries for that week. We have trouble with doubt, depression, addiction. You will have trouble. So don't be surprised when it happens because we don't belong here. This is not our home. This is not where we are going to end up. So don't be surprised when you have trouble. But there's good news. All right, the next two promises are, are going to just hopefully overcome, and they will overcome this bad promise. Jesus promises that, yes, you will have trouble, but he promises this. You will have joy and peace through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, we read this. This is what Jesus says. I have told you these things, okay? I've told you that I'm going to the cross. I've told you that I'm going to die. I've told you that you're going to suffer. But I tell you these things, all of this, so that you won't abandon your faith. When things get hard, when you're under the gun, when you're under the knife, when you are doubting, when you are tempted, I tell you these things, so that you will not abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, from the courtroom, from the classroom, from your family room. You will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you or persecute you or give you trouble, they'll think they're doing a holy service for God or for whatever religion or belief that they have. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, because they're going to, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. So why trouble you? But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because at this point, the disciples are probably grieving. They're probably wondering what's going on with Jesus saying what he's saying. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The advocate is another word for the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about through this series, through this message, through this, this morning together, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper. If I do go away, then, he, then I will send him to you. I jump down to verse 16. In a little while, you won't see me anymore because I'm going to die. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Now, some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me, and, my, and I'm going to the Father? What does he mean when he says all this? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves about what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but 
that a little while, a little while after, you will see me again. I tell you the truth, okay? Here's where, where Jesus is going to kind of just speak plainly, all right? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. Because I'm about to die. And you're going to spend a couple of days wondering what in the world happened to this guy that we've been following. You know, we alluded to that in the, the Easter, the Holy Week. The, the, the days in between the death and the resurrection. Imagine how dark those days would have been for the disciples. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. And in verse 22, he even says, this joy cannot be taken from you. To wrap up this section, verse 32, he says, but a time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone, yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I tell you all of this, that I'm going to die, that I'm leaving, but that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you have peace through me, so that you'll have peace through the Holy Spirit. Think about what Jesus is about to do. He's about to go to the cross, and he's promising them peace. Jesus predicts that they're going to scatter, but he also promises them peace. Now, Here's the thing about peace. When it comes to happiness, all right, think about what makes you happy. Happiness shows up when you expect it to, right? On payday, when things are good, you got money in the bank, let's go grocery shopping, get the Pop-Tarts, you know what I'm saying? Splurge. Happiness shows up when you expect it to. When you feel good, you, you, you plan to run three miles and you ran four because you were just feeling good. You're, you're happy about it, the endorphins are flowing when you get that promotion, when you get the, the raise, when you're sitting on the back porch with a cup of coffee and everyone's laughing and, and life is good, happiness shows up when you expect it to. But the thing about peace and the thing about joy, peace and joy show up when they want to through the Holy Spirit. You've been there, right? You've been in the hospital waiting room and wondering what's going to happen. You're praying for a loved one and all of a sudden, right there in the waiting room, when you should be afraid and crying, all of a sudden, peace shows up. All of a sudden, joy shows up. You're looking at the, uh, the budget for the month or the, 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 the income check and it's uh, not enough paycheck, a whole lot of month left. And you're thinking, there's no way uh, how is this going to happen? I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe go return the Pop-Tarts. I don't know. But in the doubt, while you're sitting there trying to figure it out, all of a sudden, through the Holy Spirit, peace shows up. Joy shows up. It shows up when it wants to through the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus promised us is that, yeah, we're going to have trouble, so don't be surprised, but you will have joy that cannot be taken away and you will have peace through the Holy Spirit. So a while ago, 
about five, six years ago, Hannah and I, we had only been married for maybe less than two years. Hannah and I almost didn't make it. See, for my whole life, I had struggled with uh, addiction and brokenness and sin and uh, lying and all these different things. And about a year and a half, almost two years into our marriage, everything came into the light and it was ugly. There was hurt, there was brokenness. I did not know if we were going to make it. I prayed that we would. And Hannah and I, we fought hard to try to save our marriage through the power of Jesus. I remember there were times where it just flat out stunk. It was hard. Us trying to pull together, but there being so much sadness and brokenness and hurt, didn't know how we were going to do it. But I have these memories through that, that healing process. I have these memories of all of a sudden, we're sitting there crying. And out of nowhere, a, a sense of joy and peace fills us both. And we end up laughing and we end up talking to each other and we end up saying, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And then we realize we can't because it's Sunday and we're sad again. In that brokenness, when I didn't know what was going to happen, when we were fighting hard just to save our marriage, all of a sudden, guess who was there? The Holy Spirit. And with him, the promise of joy and peace. Because here's the thing. Peace as Jesus promises it to us, it doesn't make sense. Paul even writes about this in, in, in Philippians chapter four. It's a peace that transcends all understanding that by all intents and purposes, what you're going through now, you should not have peace according to the world. Like that does not make sense. I mean, think about what Jesus was about to go through. If I was in his shoes sharing with my disciples, I would not be saying things like that. I'd be saying, guys, I'm struggling. I'm afraid. I'm going out of my mind. But Jesus says, no, you're going to have peace. Think about him on the cross. What's he say when he's hanging there? Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You cannot say that unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with a sense of joy and a peace because of what God has called you to do for the sake of the mission of the gospel in our obedience to Jesus, in our obedience to the Father. He gives us power through the Holy Spirit. He gives us peace and he gives us joy. And it's a joy and a peace that doesn't make sense. And then Jesus wraps up this little section of his, his talk, his teachings, and he tells them, listen, you will overcome. You will overcome the world. He says this, verse 33, here on earth, because remember, here on earth, I did not promise you a happy ending because this is not your home. This is your mission field. Later, I will take you home where you will live with me forever in eternal rest, in eternal peace, in eternal worship of God the Father. But here and now, you're going to have trouble. Here on earth, you will have many trials and many sorrows. Look, Jesus said it. You will have sorrow. You will have trials because of the brokenness that we live in in this world. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
What does it mean to overcome the world? Because if you, if you think about it, it's kind of ironic for Jesus to say that when in just a couple hours, he's going to be handed over, led away, sentenced, and then crucified. So how in the world can Jesus say, take heart, I've overcome the world when that is about to happen? It's because when it, what it means to overcome the world is this. You are so obedient to God the Father. You are so on mission for the sake of the gospel that the sorrows and the troubles and even death that comes with this world doesn't matter anymore. Not that you're not going to feel it. Not that you're never going to be sad. Not that you're never going to feel the pain. But none of it, it's all eclipsed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the peace that he gives you and the joy that he gives you. The power, the strength, the Holy Spirit. For you and I, overcoming the world means we are so on mission with, with Jesus that we're not going to doubt God's goodness and his faithfulness. We're not going to be tempted, or at least when we are, we're going to overcome. We're going to overcome the world. We're going to overcome sin. We're going to overcome temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I, followers of Jesus, we will overcome the world even when it comes to death. Because whether in life or death, Jesus promises that we will live forever with him. So that you know, and that fills you with peace, no matter what happens to you in this life, you know you're going to be with Jesus forever. That fills you with hope and joy and strength and peace. That's what it looks like to overcome the world. So what did happen to the apostles? They went on to do incredible things. But here's how their happily ever after ending ended for them. Peter, Andrew, Simon, Philip, and Bartholomew were all crucified. James, Jude, and Paul were beheaded. Thomas and Matthew were speared. James the Lesser was beaten to death while praying for his killers. Matthias was stoned. John was exiled to Patmos. The apostles were able to do incredible things for the sake of the mission of the gospel because they were obedient to Jesus. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, which gave them peace. A peace that does not make sense. It's a peace when you're hanging there and it fills you up, the world looks at you and it doesn't make sense, but you through the power of the Holy Spirit, have peace and joy because you know whether in this life or the next, you're going to be with Jesus. They were able to do it because of the peace that Jesus promised us. So what do we need to do? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how we experience the peace 
that Jesus promises. That's how we're able to uh, remain faithful and obedient to Jesus. That's how we're able to do incredible things for the sake of the mission of the gospel. So how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's three things. Believe in Jesus. If you haven't already, believe in Jesus. And if you haven't, uh, we can help you with that today. Come talk to me. Uh, you can talk to Trey. You can talk to any, uh, Scott England up here. Talk to any of us. We'll help you take that step to, to believe in Jesus. Second thing is you need to know his word. This is one of the best ways that God communicates to us is through his scripture. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God because he wrote it to give us truth, to give us perspective, to give us the strength of the Holy Spirit and to give us peace, knowing his word, reading his word, living in it, abiding in it. And then you use your belief, your faith in the Lord, power of the Holy Spirit through the, through the reading of his word to live in obedience. If we do all of that, you'll experience peace. may not take away all your trouble. may not take away your problems. But you will experience a peace that, as Paul says, doesn't make sense, transcends all understanding. It's through that peace that you and I, the church, were able to do incredible things for the sake of the mission of the gospel in life or in death. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you now as your church. Lord, we know what it's like to have trouble. Lord, we rest in the promise that you give us through Christ that we will have peace. Lord, we rest in the promise that we will overcome. If we abide in you, if we live according to your word, if we obey you, Father, if we're carrying out the mission of the gospel. So, Father, I pray that today, we know that you're here with us. We pray that you would, through your spirit, just fill us with that joy and that peace. Give us the strength that we need, Father, to go out, out of this room into our offices, into our classrooms, into our living rooms, into our cell phone conversations. Lord, give us the strength that we need to share your gospel, to share your truth with the world. Help us to take these final teachings, these final words of Jesus and to truly live them out, Father, for the sake of the gospel. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, 
God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.